This is Vance Crow. I'm Alex Craner. My name's David John Parker. This is Alex Epstein. This is Leighton Gray, and you're listening to the Sean Newman Podcast. Welcome to the podcast, folks. Happy Friday. Hope everybody's week has uh, been moving along. Oilers play tonight. They tied her back up. yippee ki Whoop! Anyways, uh, I hope everybody's Friday is going along great. Either way, we got um, uh, an interesting one on tap uh, for you today. But before we get there, I want to talk first, foremost, the, the next SMP Presents coming up uh, June 10th, Luongo and Craner here in Lloydminster at the Gold Horse Casino. That night will be, if nothing else, electric. Every time they hit the airwaves, sit down and have a chat, Luongo and Craner is, you're sure to be entertained and to, to learn some things about, you know, whether we're talking the uh, Russia-Ukraine, whether we're talking China, whether we're talking the U.S., you know, uh, banking, uh, WEF, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I, I think those two in town is going to be a special evening, and uh, you can get tickets. They're on sale now. Just look in the show notes. There's a link there, and click on it, and away you go, and I hope to see you all uh, there. Um, before we get to uh, today's episodes, we gotta we got to give, uh, well, let's start with uh, Ignite Distribution in Wainwright, Alberta. They can supply automotive parts, industrial safety, and uh, and welding so uh, they can they can also do on-site inventory management if you want to make sure you're never on the run for what you need to make sure your business can run smoothly just reach out to Shane Stafford 780-842-3433 they can uh, uh, get you squared away uh, McGowan Professional Chartered Accountants that's Kristen and team over there she uh, if you're looking for an accountant let, first and foremost uh, Kristen and team has been excellent to work with they made uh, tax season I don't know. Is it ever a breeze, folks? I don't know if it is, but uh, certainly few and far headaches, or few and far between the headaches. Uh, they made it uh, seem relatively easy. I'm working with them as a small business, and uh, they offer bookkeeping, business consulting, and training, financial planning, and tax planning. Uh, and they're they're uh, they've been fantastic. They've also been looking to hire a CPA, and would really love to grab someone from the local area who understands the industries and their, how their clients operate in in and around the community. And finally, they believe in the SMP and supporting free speech. So if that isn't enough for you, I don't know what is. For more information, go to mcgowancpa.ca. Uh, Rectech Power Products, for the past 20 years, they've been a leader uh, in the power sports industry. They offer a full lineup, including Can-Am, Ski-Doo, Sea-Doo, Spider, Mercury, Avenue, Mahindra, Roxer. And I've got a bug. i got a bug. Like, I literally just bumped an ally. I should go bug Ryan. You know, now that it's spring... It's like, okay, when are we when are we gonna t- try out a couple things, you know? Just saying, Sean would like to would like to dabble, you know. And uh, if you're in the market for uh, you know an ATV or maybe a pontoon boat or uh, you know a Sea Doo or I mean the list goes on and on and on and on. They're open Monday through Saturday. They got a full parts department. They can hook you up with any upgrades, odds and ends. And for all information, Rectech Power Products. Dot com. If you're uh, a business uh, that's looking uh, or liking what you hear, looking, liking what you hear, SMP here uh, would love to team up with you. Uh, all you got to do is reach out. The phone number is in the show notes. We'd love to hear from you. We got uh, some open spots through the week. And, uh, you know, let's see what, what can work for the both of us. I look forward to hearing from all of you. Now let's get on to that tail of the tape brought to you by Hancock Petroleum. For the past 80 years, they've been an industry leader in bulk fuels, lubricants, methanol, and chemicals, delivering to your farm commercial or oil field locations. For more information, visit them at hancockpetroleum.ca. (laughs) 
He's an evidence-based opinion journalist who focuses on the global pandemic and the 2017 Las Vegas shooting. He's incognito wearing a hat and sunglasses and goes by an alias, John Cullen. So buckle up, here we go. Hi, this is John Cullen, and you're listening to the Sean Newman Podcast. Well, welcome to the Sean Newman Podcast. Today, I'm joined by John Cullen. So, uh, first off, sir, thanks for hopping on. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate the invitation. It's kind of a weird journey how I stumble into you. I mean, I'm sure lots of people, how they stumble into your work and everything else is is um, always unique. But it was a brother of mine that pointed it out. Um, Twitter has become this place now under Elon Musk where you're starting to see things again. And, uh, and so, I just reached out and I've been follow along with uh, uh, some of the different things you've got going on. Uh, and for the person, I guess, where I wanted to start was for the person who, A, isn't on Twitter and maybe has never heard of John Cullen. Maybe we could just start with a little bit of your background and, and uh, who you are. Sure. Why, what's behind sure. the shades? Yeah, exactly. So that's probably the first thing to address is why is this guy in the outfit? So <clears throat> about five years ago, uh, my life took a, a turn that I never imagined it would take and I ended up uh, investigating basically Al-Qaeda in America. And that's what led to the incognito thing, is that the people that I started documenting some crimes, uh, I was naming names and saying, you know, here's who did it. And so <clears throat> when you do that, and the people whose names you're naming are killers, uh, making it a little bit less easy to find me seemed prudent. So that's why I'm incognito, and it's why I use a nom de plume. And also, if you've seen the degree of ad hominem attacks where they've been going after doctors and stuff with the COVID thing, they threaten to take away your license. They're threatening, you know, all kinds of personal attacks on these people. And I just, <clears throat> I didn't want any of that. And I didn't want any of that for my adult daughters. I don't know if you've seen the documentary about uh, Dr. Fauci. And one of the things he complains about is how his adult daughters are being harassed and all that. And I have adult daughters, and I didn't want that for them. So I thought that the nom de plume would distance me from the evidence that I present. Meaning it's not about me. It's not about my background, my education. It has nothing to do with that. The evidence that I present should be evident enough that you don't need to trust me with any aspect. In other words, I'm not asking you to take my word for it. I'm just asking you to look at the evidence and you'll see for yourself. Well, certainly uh, here we know all of what we've interviewed, half a dozen doctors and everything else when it came to COVID. And we saw the insanity that uh, that happened shortly after, um, you know, to each one of those fine folks. Um, I am curious, you know, I, when you reached out or when you, uh, when I reached out and you, you, you said yes to coming on the show, you mentioned a couple different topics and we talked about COVID-19 and, and, uh, talking about that, but just curious, uh, what led you to Al-Qaeda and what, what, can you give any of the background on what, what, what stuck out? You're like, is anybody going to talk yeah. about this? Cause sure. I assume back sure. then there was something that stuck out. Yeah. So, um, I had been living in Asia. I was sort of, uh, semi-retired. So I spent a good portion of my career early on at Oracle. And uh, I also spent a good number of years over at Hewlett Packard. So I, you know, my career was in IT, building very big systems for very big companies. And 
one of the projects that I worked on early in my career was the mapping system that Johns Hopkins was using. So that's how I got involved with the COVID thing was because Johns Hopkins was using the mapping system that I built back when I was at Oracle. But five years ago, just almost by accident, you know, just coincidence or whatever, um, the day of the Las Vegas shooting, I happened to be on my computer and just checking Facebook and Twitter, whatever, as it was happening. And at the time I was living in Asia and the Las Vegas shooting took place at 10 p.m. local time in Las Vegas. And that was something like noon where I was in Asia. So it was the middle of the day. And as it was unfolding, we just kept watching what was happening. And it wasn't like one o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning for me. It was middle of the afternoon and I'm in my office. So I watched this thing kind of unfold. And I realized that there was something very wrong with the narrative. And I started to investigate the Las Vegas shooting. And so for your listeners, if you guys have ever heard of the helicopter theory that people were shooting from helicopters, I'm the guy who's pretty much responsible for that. Um, along with uh, my friend Shepard Ambellis, he and I are pretty much the only two uh, publishers that have acknowledged that it was an aerial attack. Along with my broadcast partner, which is Jason Goodman. I do a podcast every Friday with Jason Goodman on Crowdsource the Truth. And so basically the three of us are really the only three independent investigative journalists that have acknowledged that this was an aerial assault, meaning uh, the, the people at the concert were shot from helicopters. And that led to who the hell has got helicopters near Las Vegas. And it turns out that we had been selling them to the Saudis. And it seems that there are factions of Al-Qaeda within the Saudi Arabian National Guard. And we saw that in Pensacola. The Pensacola shooter was confirmed to be working with Al-Qaeda. So we've seen this happen before. And that's how I ended up <clears throat> figuring out that the Las Vegas shooting was actually uh, an Al-Qaeda commando attack and an assassination attempt. So that's kind of where I cut my teeth in investigative journalism um, and had been documenting that, had been documenting the uh, the death of Phil Haney. Phil was a former uh, Homeland Security uh, pioneer, and he was documenting Al-Qaeda and the Tablaji Jamaat in America. And it was his work that helped me kind of connect the dots that there was a, an extensive support network for Al-Qaeda in America. And then COVID hit, and my broadcast partner said to me, can you take a deeper look at this? I'm not buying this whole, it came from a wet market thing. And to be honest with you, I bought that story, hook, line, and sinker. <clears throat> the whole wet market story, I, I fell for it. In the early day, you know, January, February, whatever, I was like, yeah. Have you ever been to a wet market? Have you been to Asia? Nope. No? Oh, man. Well, you got to see what goes on here. They got like a stall that will have turtles and eels and frogs right next to each other. And it's like, and so you can buy these things, right? And then the guy next to them will have ducks and geese and live. And, and, and so if you've been to one of these, and I used to go to them, you're like, yeah. If a virus came out of there, you got the frogs and the eels and the and the turtles and the 
ducks and they're all right next to each other. Of course, virus is going to come out of this place. Didn't surprise me in the least. I was like, yeah, doesn't, no shock. <clears throat> My broadcast partner, Jason Goodman, said to me, no, 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 Some, something's weird here. This is, this has got all the earmarks of a disinformation campaign. Imagine that. So I dig in and let me see if I can share this with your audience. I'm going to try and share my screen. Is that okay if I do that? If I share yeah, my yeah, screen? Yeah, for sure. Let's give this a shot. Yeah. See what happens. All right. All right. You let me know if you guys can see this. Yeah, we can see it. You bet. Okay. So 30-something years ago, back in the 1980s, when I was working at Oracle, <clears throat> I went out to this place to build a system. And the company was called ESRI, and they were building a mapping system. And they wanted to be able to map data. And at the time, we were we didn't even know what the hell they were talking about. We were like, map data? What, is, what, what were you talking about? It didn't make, we couldn't understand it. They explained it to us, took, probably took an hour and a half or half, you know, for us to even comprehend what they were talking about. And the image that you see on the screen right now, that's the system. So I led the team at Oracle that built this mapping system back in the late 1980s. So when I saw that Johns Hopkins was using this mapping system, I said, oh, my God, this is pretty wild, right? I know how to use this. So I kick back in my chair, <clears throat> and I start clicking my mouse, and I take a look at the map. And I don't know what jumps out at you, Sean, when you look at this. I mean, does anything, what, what, what's the first thing that jumps out when you look at this map? This is from March 13th, 2020. What jumps out at you? Um probably the the red dots where they all are and the fact that they're you know um certain positions uh on the map is kind of what i'm looking at the red right so you see china that, right a lot of big red stuff over in china i don't know if you did you study geography at all in school did you go to public school right so <laughs> i don't know i don't know what you know about geography but the, <clears throat> on the right side that's china um and yeah I'm yeah, yeah, yeah for sure so forgive me i'm i'm busting your chops but so you got China out on the right, and then a bunch of dots over in Europe, right? And it's it's like, oh my God, that doesn't doesn't look good, right? There's nothing about this that looks good, right? You don't look at this and go, oh well, that's just peachy, right? It's not your takeaway if you're right. That's my bias, right? I look at this. Well, as the guy who helped put the mapping system together, the first thing I said when I looked at this is, why is it all red? Nobody gets a yellow, and nobody gets a green. Every place is a disaster. Equally, they're all equally horrible. Nobody deserves a yellow. Nobody deserves a green. Nobody's doing okay. All right. <clears throat> Let's take a closer look. So I said, so how many? I, you know, Wuhan, Wuhan, Wuhan. I hear, I hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wuhan. How many people are dead in Hong Kong? How many people are dead in Shanghai? How many people are dead in Beijing? And on March 13th, 2020, the day that the president declares a national emergency in the United States, there aren't 10 people dead in Shanghai. There aren't 10 people dead in Beijing. And there aren't 10 people dead in Hong Kong. And I'm sitting there and going, well, 
I'm certainly not an epidemiologist. I've never played one on TV. I'm certainly not a virologist. But there aren't 10 people dead in Beijing, and there aren't 10 people dead in Shanghai, and there aren't 10 people dead in Hong Kong. And the whole map is red. Okay, what about Vietnam? Vietnam has 100 million people. A lot of people don't realize that. Vietnam has more people than any country in Western Europe. All right, so uh, Germany is like 85 million or something like that, and Vietnam has got more. So Vietnam with 100 million people borders China, and there's no one dead. And I'm sitting here looking at the map and going, what the... Why do you have a red dot on it then? If there's nobody dead in Vietnam, why is there a red dot? What about Laos? Is there anybody dead in Laos? No, there's nobody dead in Laos. They also have a border with China. So I'm looking in the neighborhood. I'm looking in Mongolia. I'm looking in Laos and Cambodia, Vietnam, Thailand, and saying, well, <clears throat> how many people are dead over here? There's nobody dead in Vietnam. There's nobody dead in Laos. There's nobody dead in Cambodia. I think there's one guy dead in Thailand. And there's less than 10 in Hong Kong, Shanghai, and Beijing. Now, often people, it's sort of like there's this interesting response that came up, which I'll tell you, I think this is social engineering, which is people say, well, China's lying. China's lying based on what? How, what do you mean China's lying? Then what the hell do we go to the Olympics for? If China, so there was no pandemic in China? China didn't lock down? When you say China's lying, is there evidence that China's lying? Where's the evidence? Is there better data? Does the WHO have better data than Johns Hopkins? No. Turns out they're all in agreement. Johns Hopkins, the WHO. In fact, today, as we record this broadcast, what is it, early May 2023, China has about one-tenth the COVID deaths as the United States. Meaning the United States, with a fraction of the population of China, I think China's four and a half times more people than the USA, but the USA has 10 times more COVID deaths than China. Isn't that weird? That's according to the WHO. So when I saw the map, I said, that this looks like somebody's trying to pull a fast one. Who built this thing? This is from Johns Hopkins? Oh, a foreign exchange student built it. What was the foreign exchange student's name? It wasn't Sean Newman, I'll tell you that. It wasn't you. You didn't build it. You're you're absolutely <laughs> free to go, sir. But <clears throat> there's a gentleman working at uh, uh, Johns Hopkins by the name of En Sheng Dong. And En Sheng Dong is a Chinese national getting his PhD at Johns Hopkins, and he configured the map. And I looked at this and said, you're either really bad at map design, or you're trying to scare everybody. Why would you do that? If there's nobody dead in Vietnam and there's not 10 dead in Hong Kong, Shanghai, or Beijing, why would you build this like this? Why would you do that? Well, <clears throat> turns out I went to the CDC's databases. So again, I'm a former Oracle guy, former HP guy, so data is kind of what I do. So I go into the CDC database and I start looking at a system that tracks death certificates. And the system that tracks death certificates 
shows you how many people died from kind of the number one respiratory killer before COVID was this thing they call influenza pneumonia, PNI. They seem to lump together influenza and pneumonia because it's a one-two punch. <clears throat> In other words, um, you know, I guess it's like getting stabbed and then you you die of the you know blood loss or something like that. So with influenza, you get the influenza, but it's the pneumonia that ends up killing you. So because it's this one-two punch, they package it together. So the CDC's been recording this stuff for years, this PNI deaths, pneumonia and influenza. Then Along comes COVID, and the COVID is in the green. <clears throat> so what you're seeing here, this chart in front of you, these are all deaths with COVID in the United States in green, and the PNI deaths in blue. So that's pneumonia and influenza. And they're probably the two most similar. Like, I'm not going to compare COVID with chickenpox. I'm not going to compare COVID with, uh, you know, something that's just not related to it, right? When I can compare COVID with Zika virus, I mean, it's not the same thing in any way, shape, or form. So, but if we compare COVID with influenza, they're both respiratory infections that people get pneumonia, ARDS, right? And they, you know, their lungs just stop working real well. So by comparing the two, um, I was able to discover some interesting phenomenon. And one of those phenomenon is that the blue stuff went to the moon, right before COVID showed up. And it's hard to see it, but right before those big spikes on the right-hand side, there was a shelf, and that's January, February, March of 2020. And that's when 4,000 people a week were dying of PNI. And as a data guy, I'm looking at that and going, what, 4,000 people were dying every week in January and February and March from influenza and pneumonia before COVID got here? So then I go start checking the news. You know, I go on YouTube and you look up CBS and ABC and NBC and all that stuff to see, was there like an influenza outbreak in January, February 2020 in the USA? Yes, there was. Major, major. And they're telling us 4,000 people are dying every, like the second week into January, the report was over 8,000 people have already died this year. And I'm looking at that and saying back in 2009, when we had that swine flu pandemic, only 12,000 people died in the United States. So if only 12, you know, if 12,000 people died from the swine flu pandemic, and this chart is showing us 4,000 a week, that means by the end of January, we had 16,000 people dead from influenza PNI. That's more than the whole 2009 swine flu pandemic in just four weeks. That should have been a red flag. That should have been something everybody said, wait a second, wait a second. We got 4,000 people dying a week here. Four weeks, now five weeks, now six weeks in a row. Mid-February? Six weeks in a row of 4,000 people dying everywhere. 24,000 people have died already in 2020 from influenza. This was kind of unprecedented. We'd never seen that before. And all of a sudden, COVID's here. Now, the thing that's dramatic about it is the rapidity, how quickly COVID appeared. So the blue are PNI influenza deaths over the last five years. And now, <clears throat> one of the things that you can look at on COVID is, well, what are those comorbidities? 
how many people died with COVID and uh, COPD? How many people died with COVID and cystic fibrosis? How many people died with COVID and kidney cancer? How many people were shot and died of COVID, right? The gunshot wound and tested positive for COVID. Well, <clears throat> the question then is, well, what's the number one comorbidity? Is it obesity? Is it diabetes? Is it COPD? What is it? Has anybody covered that? Have you heard Anderson Cooper talk about this? What is the number one comorbidity? Meaning, if you have COVID and this other thing, more people die of that combination than any other combination. You know what that is? It's influenza. So according to the CDC, 520-something thousand people died with COVID-19 and PNI influenza pneumonia. I was like, well, wait a second. That's half a million people died with both of these things? How many people died with just COVID-19 on the death certificate? Just 5%. So that means 60,000 people who died with COVID, their death certificates just says COVID-19. There's no COPD, there's no ARDS, there's no influenza, no kidney cancer, nothing, just COVID-19. So that number's 5%, says so right here. It says for over 5% of the deaths, COVID-19 was the only cause mentioned on the death certificate. For everybody else, 95% of the people, the average is four comorbidities. But the number one comorbidity is influenza. But what's interesting is when you look at this table, it tells you over 500,000 people died with both COVID and influenza pneumonia. But the words up top tell us that only 60,000 people died with just COVID-19 on the death certificate. So what that means is it's almost 10 times more people. Nine times more people died with COVID and influenza and pneumonia than died with just COVID-19. I found that a little bit weird. So when you see these two outbreaks overlaid, it's like, well, wait a second, I can barely see those blue peaks. Exactly. So then it begs the question, so wait a second, could you hide a pandemic? Could you hide a blue pandemic behind a green pandemic? And if so, why would you even do that? Why would you want to hide a pandemic? Why would you need to hide a pandemic? Why not just tell everybody, we're not sure if you have measles or mumps, so you're going to go get tested. And if you have this, we're going to give you this. And if you have that, we're going to give you that. That wasn't complicated. Why wouldn't you just do that? Tell people, listen, we're not sure if you've got COVID or influenza here, but we're going to ask you to get tested. And if you've got one, we're going to give you this medicine. If you've got the other, we'll give you another medicine. It's really hard to see that blue pandemic because of the green pandemic. And so by charting the data, the, the, the sort of the saying that I developed was that the data tells the story. You don't really need me to formulate the story. It's like, can you see the blue pandemic? No, why not? Because the green pandemic is obscuring it. Well, the green pandemic is showing us that we've got 1.2 million people that died from COVID. According to China, China says we've got 120,000. 
India says we have 500,000. So America, with a fraction of the population of China, has 10 times more dead. America, with a fraction of the population of India, has twice as many dead. I think the reason Dr. Wolinsky left is she doesn't want to have to explain why that is. Because there's probably not a good logical explanation other than when you see how big these green peaks are, it's because we take a very liberal approach to mortality, according to Dr. Deborah Burks. Meaning if somebody tests positive for COVID and they die from other stuff, it counts as a COVID death. Well, overcounting like that leads to these huge peaks. And that's how you hide a blue pandemic. This blue pandemic was underway long before COVID showed up. It appears to have started in Australia. In the Southern Hemisphere, in the summer of 2019, <clears throat> they excuse me, they have their worst influenza outbreak that they've seen in years. Four times more people, six times more people are dying in the different parts of Australia. Well, then those Australian folks head to Wuhan and they go wrestle and compete in October of 2019. How many of them were infected with the strain of influenza and infected other members at that event and then infected people who were watching, and then they took it back to their countries. Well, in America, by January of 2020, 4,000 people a week were dying. Fauci knew what was about to happen. He knew it was here. And all of a sudden, influenza deaths go to the moon. Now, this is not surveillance. This is not influenza-like influenza illness. These are death certificates. These are people who died. So we're counting death certificates here. The green are all deaths with COVID, which is some people will say is sort of uh, overcounted, if you will. So this is January, February, and March of 2020. The blue weekly deaths from PNI, the green weekly deaths or weekly all deaths with COVID. And so what you see here is that for the first Three months of 2020, over 4,000 people were dying every week from influenza PNI, not from COVID. Then COVID shows up and kind of steals the show. But influenza doesn't just disappear. We know that because we just looked at the comorbidity. It's the number one comorbidity. So obviously it didn't disappear. The system that I'm using to get the data is the CDC system called FluView, and it allows you to turn on or off the COVID deaths. So if I want to see it with the green stuff, I turn on with COVID on the right. If I want to see just the blue, I can turn off the COVID deaths. Now it gives me just the PNI deaths, which by the way, that's what this system used to track was just PNI. There was no COVID because there was no COVID. So once upon a time, that wasn't even a choice. This was just for the influenza stuff. Then they added COVID to it, but they give you the ability to keep it out and just kind of use it the way it used to be used. So let me see if I can share something else with you that's kind of interesting here. Because there's a lot of these uh, 
weird phenomenon that went along with uh, with this. That's this. So let me share this. What do you think so far? Interesting or weird? No, you've already asked the one question I want to ask, John. And it's like, why would you do that? Right. So why would you hide a pandemic? And before you even get to the why, you have to know, well, how broadly would you be uh, hiding this? So in other words, why would you hide a pandemic? And let's see if you can see this. There we go. Uh, am I sharing the right one or the wrong one? I apologize. I shared the wrong document. Hang on. You know, while you look, one of the things that I uh, really intrigued me about you is you had, uh, um, I don't know if it's a 30-minute um, kind of short video on the root of the problem or something along that lines and asking asking why, like a three-year-old. And uh, that's, that is an absolute skill that nobody seems to, uh, well, it's, it's becoming more prevalent and more and more people are starting to do it. But uh, I really admire how, how, how you did that, right? You have such a unique um, background to spot things that just make zero sense. How, how the heck would any of us, you know, maybe when you talk the way you do and you, you bring up the map and you say, well, this is what stands out, you're like, yeah, absolutely. But if you don't have the background in it, I just saw, you know, you look at the map and you go, yeah, you look at the world, okay, yeah, yeah, okay, this is going on. But you don't follow up any of those questions because, you know, to me, it, I don't even know what I'm supposed to be looking for at, at the start, you know? And then you start pointing your out, you're like, yeah, you are right. And uh, the ability to uh, ask those questions is something very, well, intriguing, I guess, about about yourself, John, that I really enjoyed. Well, thank you. The uh, I, I have to kind of give the credit to Oracle. I mean, the training that I got there, um, the tone was set by Larry Ellison, and we were taught root cause analysis. Um, you know, again, this is back in the 80s, and so they were encouraging us uh, to learn Six Sigma, and we're, we're teaching us you know, the most sophisticated methods for this because we were taking the technology and applying it to manufacturing to aerospace and so you really had to understand you know what why is this happening and and understanding these techniques and like you said one of the best techniques is just to act like a three-year-old and just keep asking why incessantly and you'll you'll get to the root cause eventually i mean it's an oversimplification but it can be very effective so before we get to why you would hide a pandemic, <clears throat> in other words, why would you hide that blue, all those blue peaks behind the green peaks? The next question is, well, how broadly is this pandemic being hidden? Well, I stumbled across a white paper, and the white paper was titled Decreased Influenza Activity During the COVID Pandemic in Australia, Chile, South Africa, and the USA. Well, I had been looking at the maps of this stuff, and when I saw the white paper, I was like, yeah, Australia, Chile, South Africa, USA, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it? Just four countries? Australia, Chile, South Africa, and the USA? That's all you guys saw? Decreased influenza activity? 
because I had been tracking this. So when I stumbled on the white paper, I said, okay, but then, then what? Did you guys have another meeting to get to? Because you're only citing four countries here. So I took their white paper. I cited their white paper kind of tongue-in-cheek as a goof and said, yeah, you guys are absolutely right about these four countries, but there's 102 others that show the same exact phenomenon. And I published that in my little world of, you know, uh, Patreon and Subscribestar where I have my patrons and all that. So I published this white paper kind of tongue in cheek saying, we've gone from what these guys published two weeks ago saying, Hey, look what happened in four countries. And I'm saying, yeah, it happened in a hundred others as well. Isn't that wild? And how did you miss that? And how did you miss the fact that not only did it happen in a hundred countries, but it happened in over a hundred countries within 28 days now what how the hell did that happen you're telling me that we eradicated influenza from a hundred countries in the same 28 days so a 28 day window can you zoom in on that just a bit it's hard i can't make out uh just a one or multiple it doesn't matter whichever you prefer just so i can just see it a little tight there you go there we go all right so this is switzerland so what this is, this is the world, let me explain everybody, what are we looking at here? What is this? This is the World Health Organization's system, they call it FluNet, and it's what they use to track influenza laboratory specimens so that they can get an eye on, is there an outbreak in Ethiopia, Nigeria, you know, what, what's going on? So every week, these countries report to the WHO how many influenza specimens tested positive in the laboratory. So these are not deaths. These are somebody came in, got tested, and it was positive, right? Well, this is Switzerland. <clears throat> what you're looking at is early 2020. And what you see is that by week 12, influenza is gone in Switzerland. Gone. Now, week 12 is the second to last week in March of 2020. President Trump declares this national emergency week 11, March 13th. And the next week, influenza disappears from Switzerland. Well, that's weird. Well, this is Ukraine. In Ukraine, it was gone by the 14th. In the United Arab Emirates, they got a little head start. It was gone by the 13th. In Turkey, they got a serious head start. It just completely disappeared by week four or five. Here's United Kingdom. By week 14, it's effectively gone. Here's the United States. By week 13, there's no influenza left in America. Now, isn't that amazing? Now, the thing that's really cool about this is how many people died from COVID when this happened? Well, if Not you go many. back. Yeah. Not yeah. that. Well, I, well, I'm going to show you. So I, yeah, I yeah, yeah. usually, yeah. So this is what it looks like when you get a multi-year view. So this is the United States. These are the influenza specimens year in, year out that the WHO reports. And then in weeks 11 through 14 of 2020, influenza just disappears. Now, this is the United States, and it's just gone. It's gone for almost two years. Kind of weird, right? So you start looking at all these other countries, and you're like, how did it disappear at the same exact time? In Hungary, it looks like it was peaking, and it's just gone? That's weird. So this was the phenomenon this is Denmark, disappears in 2020, weeks 11 through 14, and then it finally came back 
just last year, and it came back with a vengeance worse than ever before. This is Norway. <clears throat> Same thing. Norway eradicates influenza weeks 11 through 14, and then it returns with a vengeance last last uh, holiday season. This looks like this looks like uh, uh, winter of 2022. But you see how it's gone for like almost two years in here. There's nothing here, right? Isn't that amazing? And then this is, uh, let's see if I can see this, Finland. And then this is Sweden. Everybody eradicated it at the same time. This is England. England seems to have these stop and go moments where they stop reporting or something. But it, I, I find that it's in over 100 countries. The same phenomenon where it's gone in weeks 11 through 14. It's like, boom, boom, boom. It, it's the same time. And it's gone for almost two years. Canada, Sweden, Switzerland, Norway, Finland. I don't know. How did nobody notice this? I'm the only guy on earth looking at this stuff. And oh, by the way, influenza, pediatric influenza deaths, those also just disappeared, huh? Those are just gone. This is pediatric influenza deaths in America. And for almost two years, there were none of those either, huh? Okay. So how do you hide a pandemic and why would you hide a pandemic? My hypothesis is that we had a blue pandemic. This is PNI. And that Dr. Fauci and Francis Collins needed to hide it. Enter the green pandemic from China. Well, first of all, you know, how do you hide it? Why do you hide it? Many people don't know that back in 1999, Dr. Fauci paid for a guy named Johan Holton to go to Alaska. They went to a place called Brevik Mission in Alaska, and they dug up an Inuit woman who had died from the Spanish flu in 1918. And using garden shears, Johan Holton cuts open her torso, takes back lung tissue in wax, and brings it back to Jeffrey Taubenberger and Terence Tempe at Fort Detrick, Walter Reed, where they sequence it, the 1918 Spanish flu, the virus that killed over 50 million people. Now, Ray Kurzweil, the guy who invented the Braille reading machine and the scanner and Kurzweil synthesizers, a futurist, he's now a senior fellow at Google, he pens an op-ed in the New York Times called Recipe for Destruction and says Dr. Fauci is off the reservation. He and Francis Collins, they're going to resurrect the deadliest virus on Earth? Like, why don't you just resurrect Tyrannosaurus Rex? Why, you know, why don't you do that too? What are you doing? So he pens the op-ed, Fauci and Collins do it anyway. And in 2005, they not only are able to synthesize the 1918 H1N1 Spanish flu virus, they publish the gene sequence on whatever the equivalent of GenBank was back then. So now everybody's got the sequence. And if you've got a gene synthesizer, right? Cytosine, guanine, tryptophan, right? It only takes four ingredients. CTAG, right? That's it. Cytosine, tryptosine, adenine, guan, right? There's only four things. It's like cyan, magenta, yellow, and black. And it makes viruses for you. You get one for $100,000 used. 
They published the gene sequencing. Well, now every laboratory in the world's got it. They've got it in Gabon. They've got it at Ciro in Australia. And that's where we see the outbreak begin. So what if there was an outbreak, let's just say hypothetically, of the deadliest virus on Earth that you were warned not to resurrect, that everybody knows came from Walter Reed? What if that got out? Is it typical that the United States says, whoops, our bad, we screwed up, that's our virus, we're so sorry, or is it more likely that we come up with some stupid plan to blame the Chinese? Which is more likely? Well, when was the when was the last time the U.S. said, "Yeah, we uh, we screwed up here. This is our bad. Uh, we'll, you know, we'll make it right." You don't even have to do the United States. When was the last time you heard a government do that? Mm-hmm. The, the answer is, and you know, our know, government my, they love coming not, up with stupid cover-up stories. They just love this is what they live for. Otherwise, what the hell are they going to do? So, what what do you do hypothetically? Let's say, let, you know, let's do a little role play here with me, right? You're Francis Collins, right? I'm 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 Doctor Fauci, and I come to you and I say, uh, Francis, put the guitar down for a minute. You're not that good, by the way. Um, I think we got a problem. You know the thing that we did with Terrence Tempe and Taubenberger back in 2005 with the H1N1. I think it got out in Australia because they got six times more dead over there than they've ever seen. I think it got out in Australia. Now, the fact that I predicted this the week before the inauguration, I don't even want to go there. Right? We're not going to talk about that. But it looks like that thing that we did back in 2005 looks like that might be out and about. And if anybody puts that in a Petri dish, they're going to go, oh, my gosh, that's the one that uh, the Fauci and Taubenberger did back in 2005. That, that's the, re the reconstructed pandemic influenza. The hell is this doing running around? So, wait a second, Francis. You know that Peter Daszak guy at EcoHealth? I'll bet you he's got a virus that presents a lot like this. I'll bet he's got a virus that if somebody shows up in the emergency room, you couldn't tell A from B. And you know what? If it's got a couple jingle bells hanging off of it, like a CGG, CGG, fear and cleavage site and a GP120 sequence, it's going to be like the, the tar baby in Br'er Rabbit. Everybody's going to go to it and be fascinated with the CGG, the fear and cleavage site, the GP120. Did it come from Wuhan? Did it come from a bat? Did it come from a pangolin? Did it come from a raccoon dog? It's a red herring. It's a tar baby. You've got a blue pandemic killing 4,000 people a week. How many people died in Wuhan? Less than 5,000. How many people were dead in Beijing? Less than 10. SARS, I'm, I'm sitting here going, how deadly is SARS-CoV-2 if there's nobody dead in Vietnam? How deadly is that? And my friends are saying, are you going to get the inoculation? And I said, there's still not 10 people dead in Beijing. If there's not 10 people dead in Beijing and there's not 10 people dead in Shanghai, why would I be afraid of the virus? How many people did it kill in Nigeria? Not 4,000. 
How does Nigeria have fewer COVID deaths than West Virginia? Unless we are counting something as COVID that wasn't COVID. So how do you hide a blue pandemic? Well, there's two things you need. The first thing you're going to need is a green pandemic. You need another virus. And ideally, if that virus comes from Russia or comes from China, <clears throat> we can turn it into a whole geopolitical xenophobic disaster. China, 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 China virus, Russia, 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 Russia virus. Pick one, right? Pick, pick, pick a bad guy, right? Okay, China, China virus, China virus. Now, the interesting thing is China actually wanted to help a couple people with this. And so they got great propaganda out of China. But at the end of the day, there weren't 5,000 people dead in Wuhan. And not 10 in Beijing, not 10 in Shanghai, not 10 in Hong Kong. And today, China doesn't have 125,000 people dead. A fraction of what we have. So if the blue pandemic was the real killer, and the green pandemic is the cover-up pandemic? Really? You had Peter Daszak release another virus? Pin this on? Yeah. That's what they come up with in Langley is crap like that. So <clears throat> how do you hide it? How do you fool every physician on earth? You've got people with, a, with this affliction that is the deadliest virus potentially we've seen in you know, 100 years. But I need everybody to think it's this other thing from China. Now, how do I do that? Oh, this is pretty easy. So let me show you how to do this. Let's see. Can I share this? You with me so far? It's making sense? It's making sense. I'm wondering, John, as you go, I'm like, so why have I never heard this theory before? <laughs> Imagine that. For, for for these very reasons, because this is most likely what actually has happened, I believe. All right, so how do you hide a pandemic? I got a blue one and I got a green one. Well, first thing you got to do is you put the green one in the PCR test and you run the cycles a little bit higher, a little bit more sensitive than we normally would. So if I typically am going to cycle this thing 25, 27 times, Maybe I'm going to cycle it at 30, 32, 35 times. And that's going to ensure I'm going to pick up this, <clears throat> this green virus pretty much anywhere and everywhere. It, it barely, barely exists. I'll pick it up and get a positive reading. But here comes the goosebump part, the tricky part, the part that it's very hard for people to grasp and then <clears throat> accept. Um. But the way I figured this out, uh, it, it kind of has to do with magic. Um, when I was a kid, I was a professional magician. And I studied deception for years. And I still do it. I still do magic. So how do you make a pandemic disappear? How do you fool every physician on earth? You don't put the blue pandemic in the PCR test. This is the list of respiratory pathogens in the BioFire PCR test. It only looks five strains of influenza. 
if you have H7N9, it comes back and tells you, nope, you're fine. If you have H5N1, it comes back and tells you, nope, Sean, you're good to go, man. You got nothing. Because there's only five strains in the test. And unless you have one of those innocuous strains, like PDM09, it comes back negative. So the secret is real simple. You don't put the virus that's killing everybody in the PCR test. Just so I'm clear, when you when you show the five different influenzas in there, the different right. uh, in the in the test, mm-hmm. they're different strains that are not that common. That's what you're saying, correct? No, these are common. So in other words, this will tell you, oh yeah, Sean, you got PDM09. Don't worry, that's fine. You know, you you'll be okay. Have some chicken soup, stay in bed for three days, and you'll feel better. They're testing for innocuous strains. They're testing for comma H3N2. Big deal. I don't care. If I've got PDM09, you can just tell me. In other words, I'd rather have them test for the five deadliest strains of influenza and tell me you've ruled those out. And what I then must have is one of the innocuous strains. That's what you should be doing. That's not how they design the tests. So they're testing for the most common strains of influenza. That's not doing me any good if I can't breathe. If I'm hypoxic, I'm missing something here. So we're going to stick here for just for a second. <clears throat> sure, sure. No sweat. If they test it that way and you have the most lethal style of in- influenza under the sun, mm-hmm. because of the sequencing, that doesn't show up as any of the common influences. So now it's, it's non existent. Correct. What did it yeah. show up as then? Because I, I see where you're trying to pull me in, I'm missing something here, and I don't know why I'm missing it. So the PCR tests <clears throat> that are being used by physicians, they're trying to figure out, you know, does this person have COVID? And if they don't have COVID, do they have RSV? Do they have influenza? Do they have something, another respiratory pathogen? This particular test from BioFire has 22 respiratory pathogens. Para-influenza, RSV, a couple different strains of RSV, five strains of influenza, but there are strains of influenza that are just not in the test. And because the way the PCR test works, it's super specific. So if you tell it to find crunchy peanut butter and there's smooth peanut butter, it tells you there's no peanut butter here because you told it to look for crunchy peanut butter. You didn't, you didn't tell it about the smooth peanut butter and it says, nope, there's no crunchy peanut butter. Sorry, there's nothing here. So you can artificially make influenza disappear is what you're saying. And it's easy because the strains that we're talking about aren't widely available. They're in the deadly light. They're Kawaoka in Wisconsin is is notorious for taking strains of influenza and making them 100 times more deadly, 200 times more deadly. He takes strains and, and manipulates them so that they don't cause a fever. Now imagine that. Imagine if you had a strain of influenza that made you hypoxic, meaning your blood oxygen drops to like 88, 85, 82. You're starting to lose brain cells, right? You're high, you can't think straight. You're no longer as sharp as you, and you're, you're kind of tired. You've got, you're lethargic, but you don't have a fever. Now, if you're like me, unless I have a fever, I don't know I'm sick. 
unless I'm burning up like under the sheets with, you know, sweating and like, I can't even go to the bathroom. It, it, you know, I, how would I know I'm sick? So if it's a strain of influenza that makes you hypoxic, makes you lethargic, starts killing your brain cells because you're hypoxic and it doesn't generate a fever. Well, that's, that's an interesting bioweapon, isn't it? That's an interesting bioweapon. So now, <clears throat> kind of makes you wonder, why were we testing all these asymptomatic people? Why were people driving into the parking lots of football stadiums around the country to get tested? I kept seeing all these images of football stadiums and then the cars in, in the snake to get tested and all these people were asymptomatic. Why would you do that unless maybe there was a virus going around that was affecting people that they don't have a fever. They don't even know they have it. But you wanted to know how widely it was, it was being distributed. So how do you hide a pandemic? You simply don't put this deadly strain in the test. I, I can tell you right now, H5N1 is not in the test. H7N9 is not in the test. H11N13 is not in the test. Unless it's in the test, it's not in the test. And certainly reconstructed pandemic 1918 H1N1 is not because that is the only BSL-4 strain of influenza on earth. So the only BSL-4 strain that, it, uh, that you know naturally occurring, you know, without Kawaoka putting things on there, is the 1918 reconstructed pandemic influenza. So that means you've got to be in a balloon suit, pressurized suit, BSL-4 laboratory just to work with it. So it not being in the PCR test is easy. You know, it's like, yeah, nobody wants to go near the thing. Of course it's not in the PCR test. How many of the PCR tests have got Ebola and you got to get a special thing to order the Ebola test because that, you know, so you just don't put the thing in there. So now you've got a green pandemic from Wuhan. Thank you, Peter Daszak. It's got some furin cleavage sites dangling over here and it's got some GP120 dangling over here to make sure we get everybody's attention. Make sure you get everybody's attention. It's got to have some doodads on there. Got some doodads? Okay, good. Keep everybody talking about Wuhan. And bats and pangolins and raccoon dogs and did it or didn't it? And was it a leak or was it not a leak? And did we fund it? Did we not fund it? Did Fauci? Did Fa this is all a red herring, my friend. This is what they want you talking about because that'll keep you from talking about Fort Detrick and Walter Reed. And why did Dr. Redfield have to close it in 2019? These are the guys who built reconstructed the deadliest virus on earth. They dug it out of the permafrost, cut out a woman's lung tissue, sequence it, synthesize it, and now you can buy it. You can buy it from Sino Lab in China. They'll, they'll sell you some. You want to work with it? You want to, you want to mutate it a little? You want to do a couple gain-of-function rounds with it? You and I, we run it through some humanized mice, see what we can come up with? be kind of cool, right? That would be fun. That's what these guys do. So this is Kawaoka. He takes the virus and starts to monkey with it and says, well, what if I did this? And what if I did that? And what if I did this? Because if I can do it, the Russians can do it. So we better be prepared. So this is what we're dealing with. U.S. AMRID.
if one of their things got out, what is the likelihood that we would say, oops, we screwed up over here. Looks like five or seven million people are going to die. Our bad. Send us the bill. Is that the likely thing or is the likely thing we're going to come up with some stupid story and figure out a way to blame China? I could be wrong. <clears throat> if you don't want to read the story of the reconstruction, you can go to my YouTube channel where I read it to you so you can get comfy in bed and uh, put your headphones on and I'll read you this fascinating story of how we reconstructed the deadliest virus on earth. I, do, I have a whole series called Bedtime Stories and in Bedtime Stories I read really boring stuff on uh, on my channel. But it's basically the story of the recreation of the 1918 flu <clears throat> and the question is uh, if this got out would we cop to it or would we uh, would we cover it up? Ray Kurzweil wrote this 18 years ago, 2005, and said Dr. Fauci and Francis Collins are out of their minds. What You, you don't do this. It, it's like if they could resurrect a T-Rex, they would, right? So he publishes this. Now, this doctor, this is um, Dr. Kamakal Seidel. And if you guys have seen the video of him, he is describing these symptoms as it's like altitude sickness and their lips are turning blue. He says, it's not that they can't breathe. It's that when they're breathing, nothing's happened. The oxygen isn't. That's the definition of the blue death. That's what they called it back then. They called it the blue death back in 1918 because it made people's lips blue and it looked like altitude sickness. People have also been talking about excess deaths, and a lot of people who have biases think the excess deaths are coming from the vaccines. The thing is that the excess deaths started before the vaccines. And if you take the blue pandemic and you overlay it with the excess deaths, sure does look like the PI deaths are accounting for the excess deaths. That's a pretty good fit. That's kind of hand in glove. That's better than OJ. Right, OJ's glove didn't fit that good, right? This is this is a pretty good fit right here. So that's why the maps kind of came into the picture. You know, that's where it all started. Was I started looking at the map? I realized there's not that many people that in China. Something's going on here. Why are they hiding influenza? How did influenza disappear from a hundred countries in the same twenty-eight day window? Is that likely? Is it likely that that's what happened for real? Or is this whole thing a cover-up? That's a lot. You've just given me a, a whirlwind tour in 58 minutes or somewhere in that range, John. What do you... No. What do you, what do you, what do you make of all the, the, the vaccines that came out and everything else? And, and like, where does that factor into everything you've just talked about? Because a yeah. lot of people look at the... Uh, had different... Um, Data folk come on talking about, you know, it wasn't a pandemic until the vaccines came in. Like it, but yeah. you look well, at that's just not true. Yeah. So that's just not true. So the vaccines, there was this pent up desire to move to the mRNA technology before the pandemic begins. We know that. We have the Milken event <clears throat> where um, uh, Dr. Fauci is talking about it with Michael Savage. 
and they're talking about vaccines and growing vaccines and eggs and how it's 75 year technology and they need to move to this new technology and people don't take influenza seriously enough. And that was October of 2019. So we know they've been wanting to do this for a while. But when you look at this, the big picture and everything that happened here, you have to ask again, is this root cause analysis is what was the main motive? What was the primary motive? And then there's a bunch of ulterior motives. All right, so it's like a feeding frenzy. So once we figure out what that main motive is, then yes, there's a whole bunch of ulterior motives and they're all valid, right? So there's a whole bunch of people made money off of Moderna, a whole bunch of people made money off of Pfizer, right? So that happened and these products appear to have been rushed to market compared to other vaccines. We've never had vaccines come to market and you know, vaccines get deployed so broadly without extensive clinical trials before. We haven't seen that, right? Nothing ever came to market in a year. That's never happened. So with all that, that's a whole nother bag of shells. It's a whole nother situation. But the vaccines didn't show up until December 2020 for Joe Biden and January 2021 for other people. There was a whole pandemic going on in 2020. So the root cause of the pandemic is not the vaccines. Now, some people think that having the vaccines was the root cause of the pandemic. So meaning that they released a virus so that they could do the vaccines, so that they released SARS-CoV-2, but SARS-CoV-2 didn't kill 10 people in Hong Kong, Shanghai, Beijing in the first year. So how deadly was it? If it hasn't killed 4,000 people in Nigeria, how deadly was it? So it doesn't add up. So in other words, you have to be able to construct a thesis or a hypothesis where all the evidence fits. Every bit of the evidence has to fit. And that's what I did in Las Vegas for the Las Vegas shooting. And it's what I believe I've done here is I've documented two pandemics, a blue pandemic and a green pandemic, and explained why you might want to hide one of those pandemics. I've explained how you would hide one of those pandemics. And then sort of the, the final gut punch to all this is that it disappears in a hundred countries at the same time. It's like, well, again, how does that happen? How do you, you know, it's, it's one thing to, make the pandemic uh, you know, disappear, right? So that's, that's one trick. But how do you get a pandemic to disappear from 100 countries at the same exact time? That's kind of tricky. This is the onset of COVID deaths in America. You see how steep that left-hand side is? It's like zero to 100. It's like, vroom, it goes up so fast. Well, these are the influenza specimens in America. This is the who, and there's the COVID deaths. And I said, wait a second. It sure looks like the influenza disappeared pretty steep. And it sure looks like the COVID came on pretty steep. Hey, wait a second. Is this like a secret decoder ring? Could we, could we put the COVID deaths in the space of the influenza specimens and see something kind of cool happen? Uh-oh. 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 You complete me.
for the listener, I, I've been meaning to say this, and I'll, I'll say it on the intro, but if you aren't watching this, you, you and you're just listening, you need to go to, to, to Rumble, um, Spotify will be on, uh, Twitter will be on, just different, you, you have to, as John's talking and showing these things, the visual is, is, is so powerful. And this one even more so. Yeah, this these are COVID deaths, time aligned, where the missing influenza specimens were from the WHO that we looked at earlier. Remember, we looked at all those countries, Sweden, Norway, Switzerland. We're like, how the hell did influenza disappear for two years? So then it occurred to me, well, it sure disappeared quick. And then the COVID came on quick. I said, so wait a second. If the COVID came on this fast, this hard, uh, and the influenza disappeared that quickly, what would happen if we kind of line them all up? Sure looks like the COVID deaths are filling in this gap pretty nicely. So then I said, well, is this also the case in other countries? So this is the United States. What happens if we go look at Sweden and I put the COVID deaths into the gap in Sweden? Well, look at that. The COVID deaths came on pretty hard and fast there too, didn't they? Look at that. That's Sweden. Can I ask, you mentioned 102 countries. At uh, least. Yeah, it's more like 107, 109, something like that. It just got what bored. Time, after, what, after I got to 100, I was like, okay, it's over 100. We're good. I'm at 102. I'm, I'm, I'm done. So do you think it's all 195, or do you think there's something no. that ties the 102 to 110 together? And if so... yeah. What yeah. ties those 110 together? Um, so there were a couple countries where it didn't disappear, like Cambodia. And it, it appears that there are certain countries that had a stake in the outcome of our 2020 election. And there were certain countries that just didn't give a damn, like Malaysia, Singapore. They don't really care that much. But Germany really didn't like the incumbent president and France didn't really like the incumbent president and the UK didn't really like the incumbent president. And these are countries that seem to have suffered the most COVID deaths. When you go to a country like Nigeria, that just doesn't have a horse in the race. Nigeria didn't have 4,000 people die of COVID. Ethiopia didn't have 10,000 people. Die. Ethiopia's got over 110 million people. And, and Connecticut has more dead than Ethiopia? So the countries that didn't seem to have an interest in the 2020 election seem to fare real well. Like, for example, Bangladesh. Bangladesh doesn't have 35,000 people. They've got 168 million people in Bangladesh. But they've got fewer dead than Pennsylvania? Pakistan has over 200 million people. And they got fewer dead from COVID than Ohio? And those Pakistan have fewer dead than Ohio. But stick so, to... Uh, um, um, uh, apologies here. Um, yeah? If the green is to hide the blue, did they still mm -hmm. have the high blue? Did the blue go across all 100 of these countries? It must so when have. you talk about when you talk about all these you know these different countries and their high populations, if you right. look at influenza, was it still raging there? Well, I would have to go individually to each one of the countries to look up the influenza death. So the, so it's a great question. So let me repeat the question, test my understanding for sure. the audience. Um, so 
According to the WHO, influenza disappears for two years. But according to the CDC, it's the number one comorbidity of COVID. And we see these blue mountain charts that I was showing you before, right? And it's like, well, there's 1.2 million PNI deaths over the last three years. So how could it have disappeared? The system that I'm hitting is the death certificate system. And the reason that's important is it means we're getting the data from coroners and medical examiners, not physicians. It's like a whole nother group of people. And there's about 280,000 coroners in America. All right, so to make the math easy, call that 300,000. There's almost 300,000 coroners in America. And there's 1.2 million PNI deaths over the last three years. That's four deaths per coroner over a three-year window. Nobody's going to notice that. If you're a coroner, Sean, and you've got four extra PNI deaths over the course of the last three years, that's not going to stand yeah, out to you. Gonna, yeah, yeah, yeah. To you. But when you multiply that by 280,000 coroners, that's 1.2 million PNI deaths. So that's how nobody notices this is happening at an individual level. Not the coroners. They're like, we had two or three extra PNI deaths in the last three years. That, that's not notable. And that's all it takes. And the physicians are running the PCR test. PCR test is never going to find H7N9. Never going to find H5N1. Never going to find reconstructed pandemic influenza. And certainly never going to find anything Kawaoka has ever done. He doesn't send his stuff to BioFire or Eplex or Panther. He doesn't say, hey, look what we cooked up this week. Let me send this out to you guys. Make sure you put It's not how it works. They're testing for innocuous strains. And so when I went back to these other countries and I said, so all these countries where it disappeared, I put the COVID deaths in there and it fits like a glove. Look at this. This is Switzerland. Missing influenza in Switzerland, COVID deaths in Switzerland. Let's put the two together. What were they trying to hide, Sean? What were they trying to hide? The worst influenza outbreak of the last hundred years? Apparently so. Seven million people just died from something that we did. And we tried to blame China. And That's brought along a hundred, a hundred and two nations with us. Well, in other words, influenza is influenza, man. It's a global pandemic, and all you really need to do to make it disappear is get the WHO to stop reporting on it. Well, who do you know that donates more money to the WHO than China, who just got divorced and lives in Washington? The United States. So one phone call. Oh, you're talking Bill Gates. One phone call and it's gone. It's gone. You have got a choke point here. What do you think? Orban in Hungary is he's not in on this. Come on, yeah, he's you know the guy in Turkey. They're not. In, they don't know what the hell's going on here. Okay, they I gotta, don't know. I, that, I'm gonna yeah, I'm, so. I'm gonna bring it back around, John, because I'm 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 gonna I, I'm trying to wrestle with a couple things here. Mm -hmm. 
One, the theory goes they did all of this to protect several individuals who recreated uh, 20, uh, 2018, not 2018, sorry, 1918. Not so much to protect the individuals, <clears throat> but to protect what they would consider the national security interests of the United States. In other words, they're not trying to protect Taubenberger. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it, regardless of which lab it came from, so it, it doesn't have to be this reconstructed pandemic influenza. It could be something from Kawaoka, right? But it, the, the, the accounts that I heard of how it presented with the blue lips and the hypoxia and the cyanosis, that's the reconstructed H1N1 from 1980. That's how it presents. That's why they call it the blue death. So it might be some variant of that. So it's not necessarily to protect who it who did it. It's to protect that it came from us and that we screwed up and it's one of our viruses and 7 million people were dead because of us, not China. So that's what they're covering up. Okay, so that's one. Two, when you look at the 100 nations, mm -hmm. because that seems interesting to me. Why, why mm -hmm. 100? Why not 195, you know? And I understand mm -hmm. that... Uh, you're I like, just oh, stopped counting. It could be, could be 195. I just stopped counting at like 107, because of my, I filled in my my uh, that screen I showed you where there were a whole bunch of them. I filled it in. I just stopped. I figured the other guys could stop at four. I can stop at 105, 107. That's good enough. I'm done. I'm I'm you know I don't have the energy to go 140, so somebody else can do that. So I'm not saying it's uh, that's yeah. The you're not limit. saying it's 102. You it could be higher, but right. at the end of the day, right. it's over half the world's countries eradicated influenza for in a 28-day winter. Yeah. yeah. So so meaning between weeks 11 and 14, that's 28 days. That's four weeks. So within a four-week window, it was gone. Norway, Sweden, Switzerland, Hungary, Italy, France, Germany. But there's not that many people infected with COVID in those countries when it's gone. And all of a sudden, all the COVID deaths are, boom, they're here, and influenza is gone? All right. I guess so. What do I know? I'm not a virologist. I'm just a data guy. See, to me, the data tells the story. When I look at these charts, to me, I, I almost feel like I don't need to say a word. It's like we, we look at the missing influenza specimens, right? We look at uh, these countries and, you know, Sweden, right? So you look at Sweden and you say, all right, so they, they eradicated influenza for almost two years, okay, by accident, right? No campaign, no posters, no budget. They were all focused on COVID. So all the focus on COVID had this miraculous effect on influenza but all these people died of COVID. So masking and washing your hands and staying two meters apart eradicates influenza, but leads to this massive uptick in COVID deaths in Sweden. And then you put the two together and you're like, mm, I don't think that's what happened. And I don't feel like I need to say a whole lot. I think you just you just got to look at this and go, holy mackerel. To to bring it a touch closer to home for me, do you have Canada's data by chance, John? I sure do. <clears throat> I sure do. Hang on. I just have to find it. You know, because as you're going, one of the things in the middle of um, 
in the middle of COVID, in the middle of lockdowns and the craziness that happened here in Canada, one of the things that got pointed out was the core morbidities, right? And mm-hmm. when you were saying it before you started, the thing that I thought you were going to say, which you did not say, and this is why I've been so silent and just like glued to you on what you're mm-hmm. talking about, is I could have swore. And it's almost, I wish I had, you know, like there, there's a few different guys who've been tracking the data here in Alberta specifically, but Canada as well. And the core morbidities, um, we we're talking like uh, cardiovascular, diabetes, all these different, you know, like unhealthy people, essentially. Mm-hmm. And I'm just trying to rack my brain off the top of my head if influenza was on there. And I, I don't remember seeing influenza as the number one core morbidity of people who are dying from um, COVID, more that a huge chunk of the population that died from COVID had like something ridiculous, like, you know, four or more comorbidities, right? Like it was, it was <laughs> a, a ton. I don't right. remember seeing influenza on there. No, they don't want you to know that that's what was going on. Um, there was a document that Ezra Levant and his team at Rebel News Rebel uncovered. News, yeah. Yeah. yeah, uncovered from the Surgeon General in Canada, saying that when the Canadian team returned from the Wuhan games, they had to be quarantined. They were so sick, they quarantined the military team that came back from Wuhan. And Ezra gets this document from the Canadian Surgeon General. So to me, uh, that's a bit of a smoking gun right there. And you asked to see the overlay of the COVID deaths with the missing influenza specimens in Canada. And, and that's is. what you see here, right? So the gray are the COVID deaths. The, uh, the colors are the influenza specimens. And I did my best to kind of time align these to show that basically as influenza disappears in Canada, COVID deaths just show up instantly. Boom. They're just there. And then that two-year gap is where we have all the COVID deaths, and then influenza reappears. So that's what happened in Canada. So it's it's very much the same sort of thing. The real thing I look for is the lower right-hand corner on the first peak. I'm looking for how those COVID deaths match with the super steep right-hand side that we see country after country. So, you know, every one of these countries that we were looking at, we saw that the right-hand side just kind of... Yeah, it's a cliff. It's gone. Right, right. And what I keep looking for is how well does the initial onset of COVID deaths match up with that? And is that a good fit? And then, you know, what sort of happens after that? So let's see if I can show that to you here. I think that's this. Yeah. So, for example... Right, you'll see this in a second. So this is Sweden. And you see how steep the influenza specimens just drop off and how steep the COVID deaths just come on. Well, then you just put the two together and it's like a magic Dakota ring. It's like, that's perfect. That's exactly what I would be looking for if I was expecting foul play. Is that the onset of the deaths is very rapid and the disappearance of the pathogen that we're trying to hide is gone. And this happens country after country. Here, what's this one? This is Germany. So in Germany, super steep drop-off is gone. And then you see this little shoulder here, the beginning of the onset of the COVID deaths? Watch what happens when you time-align this. 
You see how it makes this more normal? In the corner there, it gives it more of like a Gompert's curve or a Benford's law type of yeah. shape to it, as opposed to this uh, this unnatural, like, uh, you know, half dome. It's like the face of half dome. Here's another one. This is, what's this, France? Yeah. So in France, the deaths just drop off. You put the COVID deaths in there, and now look how that lower right-hand corner just smooths out the way a Gompert's curve or Benford, Benford's, uh, Benford's law would dictate. That's how numbers behave. And so when I saw this phenomenon, I just said, this is, this is something. There's something here. There's something to this. This is subterfuge. This is not organic. So where do you tack? Then you tack the 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 Pfizer, the Moderna, the AstraZeneca, all this 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 race to get the mRNA out, just as a side effect of them protecting That's, the United it's States. The money. It's the money grab. I mean, you know, the money grab was going to happen no matter what. But the, you know, we have to separate that from the national security interests, right? How many people were dead in Wuhan? Why has Anderson Cooper not addressed how many people were dead in China? How many people were dead in Hong Kong? How many people were dead in Shanghai? Why is that a secret? Why won't you touch that with a 10-foot pole? You would think if it was China virus, China virus, China virus, CNN would be like, well, we're here in Shanghai where there's 450,000 people dead. No, we've got nothing. You got me and the map, and I'm looking at the map, and I'm going, what do you mean there's not 10 people dead in Shanghai? How is that not news? Unless all you news bastards are in on it, too. All you guys train at the farm? All of you? No, Anderson Cooper did. But David Muir? All of them? That's what I got, my friend. Well, I'm afraid I, that uh, COVID was a cover-up of something way more deadly, potentially the deadliest virus man has ever seen. And it appears that that's the virus that killed 7 million what's, people. What's wild about what you've told me for the last hour, and, and hour, you know, and I, I'm not going to hold you here all day, John. I'm just, all I'm going to do is I'm going to pencil it in for when I'm sure the people blow up my text line is like, we're going to have you back on. That's, I assume that's what it love what to. Gonna, yeah, yeah. Love to. And Here, if you want to have multiple people and have some doctors and I'll explain it to them and yeah. Happy well, to, to, happy to okay. Do. Well, it, what's wild about what you're saying is I, I don't know, uh, you know, at this point, so many people call it a pandemic or call it this, call it that, call it everything. But what you're not doing, it's <laughs> somehow, you know, everybody is focused on the vaccine side effects, the vaccine this, the vaccine that, everything backs. And I'm not, I'm not taking a special cause. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here going, I just literally had a, a vaccine side effect story on the podcast. So it's, it's not like, uh, folks, I'm any different. But you've taken that and turned it right on its head, uh, not saying that that isn't happening, just that let's go back and look at the data, and the data is showing that there was, in fact, a giant pandemic. It just isn't what they said it was. That's right. And, you know, I, I had uh, Steve Kirsch as a guest on my show. He came on my show. I shared this data with him. But he's 
very focused on the vaccine side effects and adverse reactions and all that. And I understand that's a noble battle. It's an important battle, right? It, it's an important aspect of all this. But that's not the root cause of the pandemic. And so I understand what he's doing. I understand why he's doing it. And I respect it. But at the same time, <clears throat> that has nothing to do with what was killing 4,000 people a week in January, February, March. Nothing to do with it. So, yes, they rushed them to market. You know, yes, that's a disaster. Yes, yep. there's all those side effects. But that has nothing to do with the root cause of the pandemic and how it was covered up. What? And where you, do you put, though, in all of that? Okay, let's, mm -hmm. all of that, I remember mm -hmm. having Peter McCullough on early on. And him talking about, you know, like uh, a bunch of different things. And he'd come up with mm -hmm. a protocol and, and Pierre Corey would come up with a protocol. And we saw what mm -hmm. they did to Joe Rogan with the ivermectin and, and saying, you know, like uh, whatever, all these different things that uh, uh, mainstream media kind of reported to say they're, you know, they were listening to quacks and different things like that. Mm -hmm. Where do you put up this, that, uh, that the early treatment thing, that they weren't allowing early treatment? Why would they do? I mean, it just, I'm trying to. I see no, what you're saying. Yeah, sure. it's easy. Sure. So, again, you, you need a different kind of perspective on this. And the perspective that I kept taking um, was if you're doing this, how many people are dead? In other words, do you remember we built field hospitals? Remember that? We built field yeah. hospitals all over the place. We also put all the airplanes away. All over the world, we put the airplanes away. Yeah, we put them in storage. And I was like, well, "What? The, how many people are dead that you're doing that? Is how many people dead? And what are you doing? You're putting all the airplanes away. There's not ten people dead in Hong Kong. What the hell are you doing this for? You, you, well, there was something that stood out, something big that stood out to me, and that's this. And it wasn't so much what it, she said; it was when she said it. When Hillary Clinton suggested that we're probably going to need to make voting by mail the norm, there weren't 200 people dead in the United States. That's the motive. She jumped the gun. She so, should have waited till there were 30 or 40,000 people dead, and then this statement would have made a whole lot more sense. But with the day she said it, there was 168 people dead in America. So control, power. Uh, control over the voting process. If, if we allow mail-in voting, they feel that they have an advantage. And if we can control this election because we have to do mail-in voting because it's too dangerous to go to the poll, we have a good chance that we're going to win this thing. Now, if there's, if all of a sudden somebody like Pierre Corey or Dr. McCall or somebody comes along, Dr. Merrick, with some sort of regimen that works, well, that ruins the plan. Now we're not going to vote by mail in November. If ivermectin works, if hydroxychloroquine works in May or June, and we eliminate this thing, by the way, people weren't really dying in July. It wasn't working for these guys. It was going away in the summer of 2020, and then it came back. But had they said, yeah, it looks like this ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, take some zithromax and some zinc and some vitamin C, you're going to be okay. 
you know, what happens to Hillary's game plan here? That wouldn't have worked out for her. So when you look at what appears to be the primary motive, George Soros says, I consider Donald Trump a existential threat. We will get rid of this problem by 2020. That's what Soros says. Dr. Fauci in Georgetown says, we're going to have a surprise outbreak during this next administration. And she's got a solution to a problem that hasn't yet materialized. There's not 200 people dead in the country. What the hell do you need to vote by mail for? How do you already have that queued up as a solution? There's not 5,000 people dead in China. So what the hell is she talking about? There's your motive. Everything else falls into that. That's why you can't have effective therapeutics. And if you have, if any of the therapeutics are found to be effective, there's no EUA for vaccines, by the way. I broke that story. And then it was reported by yeah. Maria Bartiromo. Well, um, and yeah. To, to me, so, that was that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, as far as, you know, once you have an effective therapeutic, you can't have the, you know, the emergency authorization. It's like, yeah. So what are we that. doing? Right. Right. Like, that's why. So you've got that. So you don't want to limit Moderna and Pfizer if you're Fauci and you've got a vested interest in this. And there's a whole bunch of your buddies that have got patents and are getting their royalties from these products, right? So it's all his buddies are getting royalties on this stuff and they won't tell you about it, which was a big issue in the Senate. So they don't want to share that information. And so there's money to be made here. But the political aspect, the political objective seems to have been the primary objective. And that would have been something that China was happy to go along with. In other words, if they can get rid of him and get him out of office, four years was plenty with, with the tariffs and everything and him rubbing their nose in it. We're beating them on trade. We're beating them on trade. They hate that. They hate that stuff. So if, if somebody were to come to them and say, hey, listen, uh, we, we think we got a way to get rid of our, our boy here. Can you overplay an outbreak a little bit, make it seem like it's a little worse than it is, even though you've only got 5,000 dead? Can you make it seem like it's half a million so that everybody else freaks out? Are you guys willing to do that for us to get rid of the guy with the orange hair? Hmm. You guys willing to go along with us? Make some propaganda? Do you know how to make propaganda in China? You guys good at that? Can you give us some video? Can you give, give me a video of a guy like falling on his face? Can you do that? I want a couple face plants. Give me two, three people doing a face plant. I can sell this pandemic. I'll get them to put the planes away. I'll oh, get them to put the airplanes away. It's funny. You, you talk about people doing face plants and different things like that. You know, since the vax has been rolled out, how many people have been dropping, uh, dropping down? That's we can't, for we, real. And we right. Can't, that's we can't for talk real. about any of that. Right? No, it, no. That can, and that's we can't for make real. anything, you know? That's the irony here. So Man. that's all valid. I don't want to invalidate yeah, yeah, yeah. any of that. It's just I got I've got my eye on the elephant, and I I can't take my eye off the elephant. I can't do it. That's my job. My job is the heart of the matter. How did this thing happen? And when you start to consider this, and you go, man, if it has anything to do with Wuhan, if it has anything to do with SARS-CoV two, Peter Daszak, Eco Health. That's all the distraction. That's what we call the red herring. That's what they want you looking at. I've been saying for over a year, Wuhan, Shmuhan. They want you talking about Wuhan. 
not Walter Reed, not Jeffrey Taubenberger, Terrence Tempe, Kawaoka, Yoshihiro Kawaoka, University of Wisconsin. They want you to talk about Ralph Barrick. Ralph Barrick worked with China. That's a distraction. Kawaoka figured out how to take this H1N1 and turn off the fever. You don't get a fever. I wouldn't know I'm sick, Sean. I could have an 88 blood ox, an 85 blood ox, and have no idea. I don't have one of those little finger things. I don't use that. You know, I don't have blood pressure issues. You know, I don't take my blood ox every day. How would you know? You wouldn't. And I'm afraid that that may be what just happened, or at least that's what the data indicates. I could be wrong. I could be wrong, but somebody's got to show up with some better data. Well, John, man, I, I, um, I appreciate you doing this, uh, coming on and, 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 uh, you know, for, for the, the, on this side of things, I don't know if I've ever had a guest pretty much present a presentation, uh, but the, the visual is very compelling, I guess is, is the word I'm looking for. Uh, so if you didn't watch, you got to go back and watch because all the data you pulled and where did you grab all, all the, the data? It's got WHO all over it, but, uh, yeah. uh, essentially from their sites, I assume. Yeah, yeah. So the World Health Organization data, which shows the missing influenza specimens, is from a system they call GISRS at the WHO. It's uh, and it's named FluNet. So I'm using the WHO's GISRS FluNet system, which tracks influenza specimens. And then from the CDC, I was using their uh, FluView, F-L-U-V-I-E-W system, FluView from the CDC which tracks influenza and pneumonia mortality, meaning death certificates. And they added the COVID to it at some point late in 2020, like uh, October, November, 2020, they added in the COVID deaths. But I had been using that to track the PNI deaths that, you know, for the first six, eight months or whatever. So I was used to using that. So all of the sources here, either Johns Hopkins map, the WHO's influenza system, or the CDC system on influenza uh, and pneumonia uh, mortality, PNI mortality. So those are the sources. Well, I appreciate you uh, coming on here. Uh, before I let you out, uh, you should let people know, because I assume a lot of people are going to be interested. Where can they find you, John? So on Twitter, you can find me at at I underscore am, A-M underscore John Cullen. No underscores or spaces between the John and the Cullen. So I underscore am underscore John Cullen on Twitter. And if you go to YouTube, the name of my channel on YouTube is actually the name of J. Edgar Hoover, uh, but it's his real name. So J. Edgar Hoover's real name is John Edgar Hoover. So I named my channel Johnny Hoover. After they deleted my uh, John Cullen channel, I figured if I move into the FBI building one day, we don't have to change the sign save us a couple bucks so the name of the channel is john e hoover and uh it's it's a uh, sort of uh, a tip of the hat to j edgar hoover minus the you know dancing around in dresses and all that stuff not that part he was a pretty good investigative uh you know, detective <laughs> well so, i appreciate i appreciate you coming on and doing this um uh it's been a pleasure and, and uh well hopefully uh if nothing else, it's going to spur on some thoughts. I can guarantee that from the text line. Um, anyone who watches the show can can send off messages like immediately. So I'll be interested to see what comes through there. Either way, uh, sir, appreciate you giving me some time. And I think I went a few minutes over, but uh, uh, just appreciate you giving me some time today. And I look forward to the next time Pleasure. we sit down.
Pleasure. Again, happy to do it. And if you want to put together uh, a group of people, I'm happy to participate and share this with them. Okay. Thanks. Uh, th- thank, thanks, John. Yeah. Thank you. My pleasure.